That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury and I am Divorced Not Dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorced Not Dead and lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey, so buckle up. Hey everyone, I'm Jacqueline Johnson, the founder of Create and Cultivate, and this is Work Party, a podcast for a new generation of women who are ditching the rule book and redefining the meaning of work on their own terms. In each episode, we bring in leading female entrepreneurs for real talk advice on the topics that matter most to the modern career woman. From hiring to mentorship to raising money and so much more, whether you are pivoting to a new industry, negotiating a raise, turning your side hustle into a full-time gig, or pitching your company to investors, we're giving you the tips and tricks you need to take your career to the next level. Are you ready to make some money moves? Well, welcome to Work Party, the podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Work Party, which celebrates a new generation of women and femmes who are redefining work on their own terms. Today, I'm talking with Rachel Krupa, dynamic public relations founder and founder of The Good Smart, which is not your average gas station mini mart. This vibrant and lively neighborhood convenience store is on a mission to bring you better for you socially conscious shopping experiences. Say goodbye to boring convenience stores and hello to the Good Smart, where you can find all your favorite snacks, drinks, and essentials with a healthy spin. So welcome, Rachel, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you. I know. So we've known each other for a really long time, and we've been through a billion different careers and businesses <laughs> and all sorts of things. But when we met, you were just running Krupa, your PR firm, and you still are. So tell yep. us a little bit about you know starting your career in PR and sort of building that agency side of the business. Yeah, it's crazy. It's thinking about that. It's just, I've been doing PR now, ooh, 21 years, which <gasps> sounds like it, it sounds so old, which is crazy. But uh, yeah, my PR career started in 21 years ago and I've started my own agency and it's crazy, 13 years. And wow. our focus is on food and wellness brands that have a mission to do more than just exist in one one's home on a shelf, but do more and talk about agricultural, talk about like, how do you improve like, you know, the food system? How do you improve one's health? 
because we want to use our voice as publicists to actually do good in the world. We're not salespeople. So why should we selling products that we don't believe in? Mm-hmm. And we've been fortunate over the years to launch, you know, Tastemade, Thrive Market, help with Goop, launch their wellness vertical, do the PR for the first in Goop Health, but also places like Within and Clean Market and really help to elevate like the better for you emerging brand side of like CPG with Brownie Brittle back in the day and Barnana, Purely Elizabeth. So we've worked with a lot of different brands, but they all center around like better for you, like things that we love. Yeah. Which really didn't exist when you started, right? Like I feel like wellness 13 years ago is not what wellness is today. And PR 13 years ago isn't what it is today. So what have been some of the shifts you've seen in the wellness and and sort of food and better for you space? And then what are some of the shifts you've seen on the PR side of things? Yeah. So I think, I mean, back in the day, one of my first clients was Designer Way, one of the first whey protein geared towards women, which is crazy that back then it was just, you know, whey protein. And then we worked with superfood and adaptogens and helped understand what glutathione is. And so a lot of it is education of what something is and what are the benefits and how do you use it within its purest form. And I think over the trends over the years, like you always added things to things. But now I think it's looking at going back to the roots and like, you know, Ayurvedic practices, because you see Ayurveda is very much on, you know, trend, but those are ancient practices that have been done for thousands of years. So I think people are stripping back a little bit from a wellness perspective and really going and honing into practices and modalities that have been there, their try and true, and realizing what is, I guess, each person's personal wellness too, because it's no longer this cookie cutter approach of this is makes me feel my best, you should do it too. But actually, what makes you feel great? So I think that's really from like a standpoint of individualized and personal wellness is more of like the direction that we're seeing because it allows you to actually have a prescription of what wellness means to you versus what wellness means to a group of humans. Love that. And then from the PR side, I mean, I feel like 13 years ago, it was like pitching long lead, doing those types of things. And now I feel like PR has a completely different look and feel. So tell us a little bit about how your services have evolved um, over the years. Yeah, I think it was pretty much editorial pitching, which is, I think is very much needed today because you brands need those big founder pieces. They need like the product highlights. They need like, who is the founder? Why is their voice matter within this, you know, basically cluttered space of conversations of products? What are they doing differently? So I think the big backbone of press still exists today from an earned media perspective. But now with affiliate marketing, you have to look at like, what is like the, you know, the backside of brands and launching and the kickbacks. So like media has changed so much. It's no longer just, I think, from a standpoint of like, hey, let's talk about I tried it. But also like, how does a media company actually earn profit at the same time while they're talking about a brand? Because brands are profiting from the piece. And so I think it's just like, again, making things equal and fair across the board. But it's actually knowing and actually talking to a consumer in a way that is going to resonate with them and educate them versus so much always telling them what to do. And I think consumers are smarter now than ever before, and they want to actually know why. And I think that is like the role of the publicist is getting it to them in like different forms. It's no longer just earned media, which is very important, but it's also across social platforms. What is Mm. that strategy? 
What is the strategy for affiliate marketing? What's the strategy also of publicists to talk to their network of humans? Because like they're seeing the trends before most do, because they're the ones that are talking to the founders and seeing it from the new business proposals and the new business pitching because brands are launching left and right and they're telling their story. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the way you put that where it's like, let's make this fair on both sides because that's true. It's like the media companies were struggling. They need to figure out ways to monetize. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the press is super helpful. And now the publicist is playing that role. One thing I think that a lot of people ask me for advice on, and I'm obviously not a publicist, but is like, how do I get that piece? Like, what do you think is standing out when it comes to pitching? Because now there's so many brands, there's so many founders, it's really hard to break out and and stand out. So what advice would you give someone who's looking to land that big piece? It's all back on relationships. I mean, that's the job of the publicist since day one. It's the relationships that they have with the editors. It's the relationships they have with the outlets, but also with others in the industry that you can collectively build something up and like show the reasons why this person is there. So you have their ear and it's not necessarily a pitch per se, but it's actually really having a conversation of like, have you met this founder? Oh my gosh, like they're creating this, their background led them to this. Here's the void that they're filling, but here's like the full story. So it's not only just about a product anymore. It's about like the entire journey that like, I think that entrepreneur has been on, but also it's like, what is, what is the goal for the future? Not from a standpoint of the P&Ls or what the the end goal is, but what's the end goal for society? And I think what's the end goal for the consumer with this product in why would you want to replace this new product with what you love and are tried and true with? So you have to show like the pros and cons, but also really talk to why is it elevated? And I think the biggest thing is relationships. You have to know Mm -hmm. who you're talking to, you know, talk to them because it's a friend. You're talking to people every day about products that you love to your best friend. And they're like, I need to try this now. The same thing goes with editors and publicist relationships at the same time. Yeah, I, I it is all about those relationships. And I love the tip of the points of differentiation, like really showing why you're different, why your story is different and, you know, why you deserve that piece. So I absolutely love that. So cut to you're running this PR firm, you have massive clients, like you're, you're absolutely killing it and you launch the good smart. So tell us what the good smart is, where this concept came from and why you decided to launch it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's one of those things where you're like, what am I doing? Basically. Yeah. So the Goods Mart is my better for you, socially conscious, highly curated convenience store. We have three locations in New York, Soho, Rockefeller Center, and then 11 West 42nd Street. And our mission is really to be a partner with the brands that fill our store because a lot of them are emerging in startups. And because I have 20 years of PR experience, it's like, how can we be helpful? Mm. And it's changing the way that a retailer plays you know, the role and like the partnership they have with the brands. And it's no longer just for us. It's no longer a pay to play type of slotting fee. It's like, actually, how does your product taste? Like, how does customers want to interact with it? Let's tell your story and create a great store around products and brands that have a cool founder that tastes great and have more of a mission to it. And so it's really rethinking what convenience are, because if convenience stores, when I first started, when you went to gas stations or you went to, you know, a 7-Eleven, you had Crave Jerky and Cliff Bars, Kind Bars. And like, so you were actually choosing a better option, but the better options were very limited. And so why would you have to compromise if you wanted convenience and shouldn't convenience stores be convenient? Because 
you know, they contain the things that we want and love these days. Mm. And there's a better for you component out to pretty much anything that exists right now. You can name better for you Snicker bars, gigantic, better for you Pringles, good crisp, but better for you, you know, cola, whether it's Olipop or Brooklyn Cannery or Culture Pop. So there's a lot of things that you're like, oh, not only is it better for you from like a health perspective, the quality of the ingredients, but there's also a mission behind it of giving back to mental health. It's, you know, really having regenerative ingredients so that the soil is being replenished. So it was creating a store that matched the, I think, just the overall like thoughtfulness that consumers want. So it should be mission. It should be you're voting with your dollars every day. You might as well vote within the everyday purchases that you need. Absolutely. Yeah. It's such a great concept. And obviously it's so wonderful for all these small brands to get that access. Cause one of the things that so many CPG food and bev brands are trying to do is get into retail, right? Like that's the big win for them is to be in one of those, you know, whole foods or, you know, Kroger's or whatever it might be. And you really are like the gateway to that in many ways. So how are you working with these brands to one, determine, you know, who should go in the store, but to also give them, you know, feedback, data, all those different things that they can then use to go out to some bigger retailers. Yeah. So right now we're basically what we're doing is really like talking to them, also talking to them about taste. Like we want to sample everything. We sample everything in our store. And if it's a product that we don't think is ready for us from like a formulation perspective, we're the first ones to tell them like, Hey, you should maybe dial in your sweetener a little bit. You should amp up your salt on this. So that they're stronger at the end versus just saying no or yes. So that's like the basis level for us. And then it's just like going into taste and really looking at the products of like, how does this fit within a customer's profile of what they're looking and asking for? But also, how can we be helpful? Like, what do you need help with? Do you need a local distributor? Let us help you with find that distributor. Do you need a broker? Let us help you find a broker that you love, like a design agency, you know, anything like ask us, do you want to connect with other founders because you're having a hard time? Do you need help with the supply chain? You know, like your supply chain, because an ingredient may be having a hiccup. Let us tell us, let us be that partner for you. And then we're starting and really trying to figure out like, how do we connect with our customers more and actually get feedback from our customers so that we're actually giving really thoughtful, like notions and, you know, insights to our brands based on what customers are saying, not just us, because customers are very fickle. They are very much in the sense of they're kind of like their bullshit meter is like, it's it's just like there. They're like, hey, we don't believe in this. It's like that whole thing with like CBD back in the day. It would be like, why am I spending $10 on a CBD drink that I don't necessarily know that it's affecting me? So that's like for us, it's really of like, let's be a partner. Let's help you connect the dots with whomever you need, whatever you need. But like the future of us is really like, how do we also garner in like our customers and provide feedback that are not only valuable to the brands, but valuable to the industry as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. Especially as the industry grows and there's so many products and new ingredients that, you know, every week it's like something new that you're like, this is a hot new ingredient. Like there's, you know, what I've been seeing around, it's like sea moss. It's like, we're all just drinking gelled sea moss. <laughs> like, what's happening? It's like, what is this? Does it actually help me? So obviously opening a physical location is intense, like especially in New York City. So shifting to operations for a moment, like walk us through launching your first store, your learnings, and when it came to retail, leases, all of those things. I mean, I think I had a master's in just business 101 because I didn't have a business plan when I first started. It basically, I didn't have anything. I didn't know 
<laughs> basically anything in how to re- run a retail. But I just wanted to do it. And that's one of my great personality traits and not so great personality <laughs> traits that because I've had the PR agency for so long, I had such amazing, it goes back into contacts and relations, so many incredible like relationships and contacts that it was more of like, hey, I need a contractor and you know a client that I know is very particular was just like, here's my contractor. And I was like, great. Can you give me a quote? Looks great. You know, then I need a project manager. And this is another person that recommended this former client, you know, that like they left, they were a buyer at, you know, one of like the clients and they left and they're like, Hey, I'll help you figure out what the, the backside should look like square. So it was really asking for help, but actually having no idea what that process was. And that was a challenging, but now it's really much of a streamlined process. It's like, hey, we have our operations team in place. We know what we're going to do when we're ordering from a get-go. We know what we love and we love to keep things a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more approachable with our design where it's just like use things off the shelf. Get a cool designer to help you like look at the inside of it. Use more recyclable material so that it feels approachable and not so much of like a showroom. And yeah, so I think yeah. It's, it's looking at it and it's, it's, it was hard at first. I didn't yeah. know what I was doing, but I also didn't know what I was doing because I was running two businesses at the same time. And I just thought I could open up a store and it would open up a store. I, yeah. Well, but- that's my next question. So it's a perfect segue. <laughs> running two businesses at the same time. I mean, I really love this because I think sometimes people, you know, feel really stuck in like what they've done, right? So PR for you, like you've done it for you know a long time, you know it you're running the agency and like all these things. And I know a lot of people who are like, I just like want to do something else, but I don't, I'm like scared to take the leap, but like you did it successfully and now you're running two companies. So, so like, what, what does that look like for you? I mean, I think early days, like I'm just very grateful for my team for putting up with me because it was just like that juggle of, I think emotionally you didn't know what to do. And like, how do you spend your time in the early days? It was more, I was more fearful that the clients would say, Hey, you're focused on another business and not on us, that it would actually hinder the company. So I think a mistake that I made early was not being transparent with both companies of what I was doing. And it was more of like, let's keep them more, you know, in like their own cylinder, because like, then it was able to carbonize in my brain of like, I could do it. But it was just rather than again, ask for help with both, because they both worked really well together, that it's challenging each day, but now the PR agency is so much more mature and we have an incredible head of PR. We have a good, incredible chief of staff, a VP, that my process and my business there is like new business. It's talking with founders, like being a resource for them. They're running the show and like the team is incredible. And I think that goes back into having a great team so you can do that. And then I'm focused really much, so much more on the goods because it's still you know, a five-year-old startup that I think I finally know what we're doing and what's going on. But that's trial and error until you try and actually launch to do something, you're never going to know. And like, I think it's just like, you have to rip the bandaid off in order to then get your footing and just know that you're going to fall, you're going to fall hard. But then it's just like finding those moments of like, okay, I know I got this now. Like my sea legs are now more stable. And ask for help because I think a lot of women in particularly don't like to ask for help from people because it looks like they're a failure. They look like they actually don't know what they're doing. Guess what? None of us know what we're doing. I think being in PR, even for 13 years, some days I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. So there's two ways you can choose. You can either choose like A or B. They're both going to be right. One might be right now, but the other one might be wrong. 
but it's going to make you right in the future. And that's going to be a better learning curve than anything else that you can ever do. So I think there's always just like a positive to even looking at things that you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It really is about taking the leap. And obviously so much of your learnings in building the PR agency spilled over into the Goodsmart. And then obviously there was new learnings over there that I'm sure you're bringing back. But I love that, you know, obviously it, it reminds me a little bit of my story where I had no mm-hmm. subject and I had Crate and Cultivate and there was an overlap and like, it is a lot. So good for you for, for getting through it until you get to the, the other side. But walk us through like some of your biggest wins as an entrepreneur and some of your biggest failures and the lessons you learned around those. Yeah, I think, you know, starting with like the failures or like the amazing learnings, it was just like not even a failure. Like we closed our, we opened up our first store in Silver Lake and we closed that. And that at a moment was just like, oh my gosh, I closed the store. I'm a failure because like that store didn't really work out. It was just not, but it goes back into that learning of I didn't understand like P&Ls of the functioning of like an operation of a retail. Mm. Like, to me, I looked at the rent. I was like, great. The rent is great without actually understanding the foot traffic. And it was like a three-year lease. And by that time, it was two and a half years in. And like the septic was broken because I didn't really look at yeah. the septic. And like literally like things were coming up into the store oh from like the septic field. And so it was just like that part where people didn't know like the backside of it. But also at the same time, someone looking in, you felt like a failure. So I think closing the store was one of the biggest things. And I tend to lean more from a creativity side. And sometimes it's more of like, okay, you have to look at the the black and white side of the company too. That that's just like over the learning curve for both companies. Something that I really, I am also proud of and a win for me is like reading and understanding P&Ls now, understanding a budget, which is very important. But early in the days, like I just didn't because I was like, I got it. I'm going to do it this way. But taking advice from people that are stronger with you on the other side of things. And I think the wins are, you know, opening up three stores, opening up two stores during a global pandemic. (laughs) We stayed open and did not close our store throughout the pandemic because we wanted to be you know, we, we always talk about community and like, so you can't fail your community when you're, when they need you the most. And I think that's like one of the things that I look back on because it also made us stronger because you could sit there and actually listen to people, not only customers, but the brands that build our shelves too. And mm. that's where we had most of our growth and learning in the past, like two, three years, it was actually having a moment to sit and be able to listen and then react on it instead of being in the hamster wheel of I got to go. I got to go. I have to build this because of what perspective of others feel what success is. So it was able to a moment for all of us, I think, to sit with things. I love that. I mean, to talk about the first point, the failure side, totally get that. Like I would feel, Mm -hmm. I think I would feel the same way, but like to your point, an amazing learning because retail is so contingent on foot traffic and honestly, in LA parking, right? Like it's like, you have to find someplace that's like easy to get in, easy to get out. And in LA, people aren't out and about in the way that they are in New York City. Mm-hmm. So what are some of your, you know, kind of tactics to drive traffic or like, what have you learned over the years? Because I think this is something we're seeing more and more is like a lot of stores are shuttering specifically, I'm talking about Los Angeles, but, and they're moving to different neighborhoods or locations and trying new things. Cause I think that's something that's part of that. It's like, you need that foot traffic. Yeah. I think it's really, connecting with your neighbors. It's like, Mm. what can you do from a marketing 101 of like connect with your neighbors, do, you know, cross marketing, co-branding type things that doesn't necessarily mean this whole huge thing. It's just like, 
you get a coffee from here, you get a snack from here. Let's connect together. Let's share our newsletter, like, you know, subscribers. Let's like do things on social together. Let's like have takeovers. Those things are super easy. But then also for us, like within our Soho location, now that it's finally warm again, we can do it. But we do like subway sampling where it's just like we sit in the subway because the subway is two blocks away and you're like, hey, here's a snack and here's a coupon for like free coffee in the store. Those things are really not, they don't really cost that much. You know what I mean? It's the cost of coffee. And then we asked like the brands in our store to help us with this because it's also passive sampling for them. And it gets their product in the hands of new people, which is also alleviating a cost for them at the same time because we're doing it, but it's driving foot traffic. So there's fun ways to be creative with marketing to drive foot traffic. But then there's also good things about signage. It's like, you know, we're A-B testing signage on like the street because of the sidewalk in New York. Always. We just put plants out and plants just have life. So people are like, wait, what is this? I see a plant. It has to be something that I can walk into. And like small things of when you know you have foot traffic of like people and customers, it's how do you engage more with the community where, you know, back during COVID, our UPS driver, he came in every day and I just like was talking to me. He's like, I was a chef. And I was like, okay, great. Yeah. You're like a, like a chef. And he was like, no, I make the best jerk chicken. I was like, bring me some. And he was just like, oh, great. He brought me literally the best jerk chicken I've ever had. And now we do cookouts on the street in front of the store. But what that does is because he is our UPS driver and he makes the best jerk chicken, A, that's number one. But he's talking to everyone that he's delivering his packages to being like, hey, I'm cooking outside the goods on Saturday. Or now we're changing it to the week because mostly it's offices and on weekends they're not there. But then it's like driving traffic and people to our building because it's like, hey, I want to support, you know, Chef Williams, but also I want to support the goods because they're supporting our local community. Yeah. And so it's, it's like ground game. It's it's 101 ground game. Like everyone's freaking out about the iOS and you're out here connecting with UPS drivers. <laughs> I love it. But it's I think that's so accurate. And like I do think it's getting back to basics in that way of like not only I love the the concept of like the plants bringing people in it's like so genius. And then once they're in, though, it's like having that good experience. It's it's very similar to the events world. So I totally, totally get it. And I think that's that's really amazing advice. So you're seeing a billion different CPG food and bed brands. Like what are the trends that you're currently seeing pop up in different categories? Like what should we be keeping our eye out for? Yeah, I think that we're seeing a lot more flat beverages because I I think we have a sparkling overhaul. But I think a lot of people are now looking for things that don't have bubbles. So I think you're going to see a lot more, you know, iced teas or versions of flat beverages, which are lovely and great. I think that we're seeing a lot more products that are coming in with a little bit of real organic sugar, not so much of like the monk fruit, stevia, allulose type of things, because like I think people want a little bit of something, mm. but not a lot. And I think that you're seeing things stripped back a little bit in regards of just like a singular ingredient of hazelnut. There's a lot of hazelnuts products that are launching in this world right now, but you're also seeing a lot of just like canned coffee that don't always have adaptogens and superfoods in it. And real like just real ingredients but also there's a fun innovation right now with different types of flowers so there's banana flower that you're seeing more there is chocho which is like another you know flower from ecuador so you're seeing a lot of things and people experimenting with ingredients that are from other cultures Mm. that are now coming to the u.s but have been used for many and many of years but now they're being you know put into form of crackers puffs you know chips 
And so that's fun because like, I think that's the type of innovation that we need to continue to have. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. And I've, I've tried some of those things too, which is so fun. And I get your box of goods, which I mm-hmm. absolutely love. So what is the best piece of business advice you've ever been given or given to someone? The best advice is it goes back into you never really know what you're doing because you're always learning. And you kind of, it's not a, the thing of like, fake it till you make it because I don't believe that is it, but it's like actually knowing and going into a place of like, Hey, like if you look at two things as like actually learning from it, right or wrong, there's no wrong. So you're never going to get really down on yourself for failing because you're not really failing. You're only growing and learning. So that was like something that someone told me early on. It's just like, know that you're never going to know everything and know that if you look at a failure as a learning you are always going to be growing and in going in the right direction because then you're never falling back. Absolutely. I I love that so much. So let's wrap with some rapid fire questions. Okay. Okay. The biggest risk I've ever taken was opening up a convenience store. Yeah. I actually want to, okay, this one, what is your, what are your, what's your favorite restaurant in New York right now? I'm just curious. This is more for me personally. Oh my gosh. Favorite restaurant in New York right now it's Ito and it's an incredible sushi restaurant that a friend opened that is like the best omakase. But I think that is a little bit more on like, you know, the fine dining side. Ooh. But but from a standpoint of favorite restaurant, you know, I really love Musket Room and Ralph's, which is like female owned, like oh, just really great. Their avocado butter and bread, sourdough bread is so incredible right now. Yum. That sounds amazing. If I could have any superpower, it would be... Oh, adding more hours to the day. Does that count? (laughs) That definitely counts. I love that so much. (laughs) Thanks so much for being here, Rachel. Can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you, your PR firm and the Good Smart? Oh, I think you easy as you can go to Instagram because I think you can find everything there at Rach Krupa, R-A-C-H Krupa, K-R-U-P-A or the Good Smart. And you can find us both places there or LinkedIn or there's everything everywhere. Love it. And be sure if you're in New York City to stop by the Good Smart and get some goods. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. For more inspiring conversations like this one, follow the Work Party Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to rate and review us or show us some love on social. We love seeing you tune in every week and share your favorite episodes. We're at Work Party on Instagram and at It's a Work Party on Facebook and Twitter. I'm your host, Jacqueline Johnson, and this is Work Party. Work Party.